This is MTG Focus, Spikes, where we follow the trials and tribulations of up-and-coming players as they try to achieve their dreams of success on the Pro Tour. Together we learn from their mistakes and together we celebrate their victories. This is MTG Focus, Spikes. Welcome everyone to another episode of MTG Focus Spikes. My name is Eric Sias and I'll be your host this evening. With me as always are my wonderful co-hosts, Adrian Lopez. I'm back! Thanks, Hi. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> we also have Mr. Ed Green. Hey guys. Always always with the short hey guys. Well, I, I want to keep it consistent. I don't I don't want to yell like a silly person. Are we and just then, gonna that, stick I mean, Will? We already have that. Like that's what that's what Adrian does, and and then Will romps on Adrian for yelling like a silly man. So I can't do that. So uh, but, but just Ed, keep it simple. But Ed, where's Will? How come you didn't romp on me? Will is not here today. He has some stuff to do. So uh, in his place, we have someone better. We have someone better. <laughs> Those of you listening might know him from manadeprived.com or the A-Team podcast. We have the one and only Car Young Tom, also known as KYT. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy to be uh, on another show outside of my own. Hopefully I can talk a lot more. <laughs> I think your co-host will be mad if you talk a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's the goal. I think we gotta we gotta get them a little upset because you're talking more here than on your home show. I think we basically made they made me sign a contract where I only had ten percent airtime. That's what happened. So. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> so in case y'all didn't know, KYT is on the A team, which has been going on for how long now? Oh, way too long. Like um, years, right? It might be our. I started man deprived in 2010. And so it, this might be, it can't be that long. It's been five years since I started Man Deprived, so, and the A-Team was in the first year. So it might be, can it really be five years? It, I think so, man. I've actually been listening to the A-Team since you guys started. And, um, I'm, I mean, I've gone through all the changes you guys had and everything, like, just seen the cast grow into what it is now. And it's really awesome. I love it. And being like me being from El Paso, Texas, which is like the the most southern point, almost <laughs> the most southern point in in the U.S. from Canada, like it seems pretty pretty insane, right? Like to have people listening to your show way out there. Yeah, yeah, it, it is insane. It, it's insane to have. Um, it's been a while since I checked like analytic stats to see like where exactly people are from that visit, not only listen to our show or visit my site, but I was surprised of the people that, uh, like where they were from, like somewhere in California and other places. And it's just like, how the heck did they ever hear about me? So it is really cool to go to American GPs and have people come up to me 
because that's like Canadian GPs I can understand. Um, so, so it's always a nice surprise, uh, to, to meet people like you that are from these different places. Well, it's funny you say that because we've actually met before. The first time I met you was in, uh, GP Las Vegas, the, the last one that happened two years ago. And I don't know if you remember, I went up to you. I said, Hey man, congrats on day twoing because we had both day twoed and we were sitting, uh, two draft pods away from each other. Uh, and that was it. But like, I've always tweeted at you. And then, uh, one day, I, I don't know how it happened, but we just became friends on Facebook. And then we've talked here and there from, from time to time, but it wasn't a, uh, until recently where we started talking a little bit more, right? Well, I, I congratulated you on your, uh, your, your PTQ win, um, on your status. I was pretty happy. Like I was really happy because the RPTQ weekend made it so that a lot of people qualified at the same time. It was sweet to, to see different friends. Uh, different people I knew that that finally qualified for the first time or, or re-qualified after months or years of not being on the Pro Tour. Yeah, man, it's, it, it was really cool, and thank you for that. I appreciate the uh, congratulations. But um, you didn't get to participate in yours because you got your, your uh, qualification moved over, right? Yeah, yeah, due to uh, having to go to Asia for a wedding. So push Brussels. I would have loved to go to Brussels and... Because I actually have pro points having played in Washington. It would have been nice to try to aim for silver, but uh, life is what it is sometimes. And, and Vancouver is my next stop. And uh, hopefully I do. I'd have to spike it to hit any sort of player club level, but you know anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you in the same, in the same boat. This is my first qualification. I kind of got to do the same thing. Um, but at least, you know, my, my goal is to at least uh, qualify for... Milwaukee, which is the next one. But, um, you know what? En- enough of that. Let's, let's find out more about you. Like, who is KYT? What, what, did, what got you into Magic? How long have you been playing? And then, um, you also own, uh, Mana Deprived, right? So tell us all about that. Oh, sweet. Um, so let's start with, uh, how long I've been playing. Um, it's something that I, I don't even really remember that well anymore. Every time I retell it, I think that I might be, like, adding, Details that don't actually exist. Um, I did play Pokemon, uh, but that I have no idea. I think it was my in high school. My friend Ricardo introduced it to me, and then at lunchtime I would see people playing Magic, so I would go to the local card store. Um, even before that, there was like overpower cards that I was buying from from the local card stores, and uh, started at Urza's Destiny, roughly Urza's Destiny sixth, fifth, or sixth edition. And it was just to buy them to play with my friends at school. And I wasn't the type of guy that went to FNM or went to the card store and, and made friends with anybody there. My mom would just drop me off to, to buy a booster here and there. So I think that's why after Urza's Destiny, I didn't play much because next time was Mercadian Mask. And my theory is that school was out. So I didn't interact with my friends from school as much. And the magic was sort of lost. And I came back multiple times. I came back uh, during Judgment, and I came back later on during like uh, Shadow, more Evening Tide, like Even Tide, Morning Tide. So there were a lot of gaps. But I started with Urza's Destiny and and just friends that got me there interested. And what pushed me more towards Magic later on was the fact that. Um, I used to be a chess player that went to monthly tournaments 
But eventually, most of my other friends lost interest to the point where I was the only one that went to these tournaments. And it, it was no longer fun. You didn't have, like, your group, uh, my group with me anymore. And it was just my own thing, like, solo testing against the computer, solo playing, solo going to tournaments. And if I won it, I was just by myself, the only one, no one to celebrate the win with. But... Every time I went to the card store at FNM, there'd be a lot of people playing, and I started to make friends and uh, realized this is the game that I wanted to play in because there were more people interested to go to Magic tournaments on a weekend, and I just had a lot more fun. So Magic became a stronger focus of my life, um, if you will. But how Mana Deprived started was, you know, I was dabbling a lot in websites, just like writing my own, like everybody goes into a phase of writing their own blog at one point or another, or a lot of people do, or they start their own photography site. Like they start their own website. And I had many of these. I had like my personal blog. I had a poker blog. I had everything. I tried everything. And eventually it's like, why don't I just, it came to me that there wasn't a magic site that talked about the best players in Canada. Um, you hear a lot about the American players. Uh, at the time that I started Man of the Private, everybody knew who they were. But when it came to Canadians, like, even I didn't know who, who these people are, who the best players were. And I saw a hole and, and just started to write and ask my fellow good players from, from the local Montreal scene to see if they wanted to write. And it just snowballed from there. Um, Really, so in 2010, and luckily for me, that's when, roughly when Zendikar just came out, when Magic started its resurgence of popularity, and so I was lucky to strike it right then and there uh, when I started the site. That's pretty awesome, man. Like, you know, Mana Deprived is is kind of like the home base for Canadian Magic. Like, I know that I visit the website at least once a week just to check it out to see how, you know our fellow players up north are doing and see all the all the sweet content that you've been releasing um but one of the main things that i always check out there is obviously your podcast the a-team why don't you tell us about how that got to be i think a lot of it had to be with me being influenced by um top eight magic at the time and yomtg taps they were both um the only main popular podcast out there at the time and I love Top 8 Magic, and, and just because I'm a huge fan of Flores, despite him having so infinite haters, uh, he just, like, he was one of the original Twitter personalities as well. I, I would say he might be the first one that I remember, and he's the one that basically spread my name around on Twitter, uh, and name dropped me in multiple articles, uh, name dropped me on his show. Um, maybe he foresaw that someday I would become a big deal so that he could say, oh, oh, look, I, I <laughs> so he associates himself with me. But I always appreciated the fact that, that he always uh, put in a good word uh, for me. So, again, it was a matter of uh, seeing that, okay, now I have a Canadian website, there's all these podcasts out there. What about you know, a, a cast that was focused on Canadian magic. That was the original thought. Of course, that's not what it progressed to or what it is now. But that was the initial thought. So I had Scott and Jay, two Canadians, and we had Smitty, a random American, as 
part of the foursome. And just, I just wanted them to give it a try. And we released one episode and for some reason people listened to it, uh, from Twitter and, and spread it around. And we made a second episode. People still loved it. And we just kept going ever since. And some of my best friends in the magic community are, are found due to this podcast. Um, which is pretty great. Like Durfington, he was, an original, one of the first fans of the show, and I became friends with him because of that. Kyle became our editor because he listened and loved the first couple of episodes. So uh, the show really uh, would hit off, and it's probably, besides dirtling around, uh, the A-Team is the most successful thing uh, that I've ever created uh, when it uh, comes to magic and magic content. Like the four of us, well, the three of us plus the four wheel that has been changing have created something that I'm extremely proud of. Yeah, I mean, the show's actually really, really great, and it's, since it's been around for so long, it's actually one of the most popular shows out there in the in the magic category. And the chemistry that you guys have, like, even though you do have a fourth person that's always, it seems to always be uh, transitioning, uh, but, like, the the base, you know, the core, the core members that are you, Scotty, and Jay, um, just have this chemistry that I haven't really heard on another podcast. And even though there are some weeks when, you know, magic is really slow and there's not really much going on and you guys really aren't talking about anything new or necessarily productive, it's still so captivating because, um, it feels like you're just hanging out with friends and you're just having a conversation with them. And that's, uh, that natural conversational quality that you guys have. Um, it can't be mimicked because of how long you guys have been doing it. So major props to you. Yeah, th- thank you. And I think a lot of it has to. What impresses me the most is that like we be we've become such close close friends. Like I have stayed at Scott's place multiple times. I've met his wife and his his daughter, his son. Um, I went to I flew all the way across the country to attend Jay's wedding. So uh, we live really far from like. Yeah, that's what's really weird about us. We we actually live fairly far from each other, even though we we live in the same country. But Canada geographically, like it's it's pretty massive. So for me to fly to to Calgary or is a long time. It's a six six hour car ride from me to Scott. So it, the fact that we're able to keep casting for so many years, uh, living so far away from each other, and building on top of our relationship and we consider each other close friends is, is actually pretty crazy. I mean, I think I still consider Jess, Jesse a friend, even though we don't talk uh, as much anymore. Um, me and John Medina obviously have a lot of love for each other. And, uh, you know, Jeremy's been, was a friend before I brought it on the show and, and it, we're actually real friends, but we don't, hang out with each other that all that much outside of the show. So I still think that's kind of funny that, uh, like at Jay's wedding, it was like kind of funny. It's like everybody's family. And then it's just like two of his co-hosts on a podcast are invited. So that was funny. Yeah, man. Like you, like I said, you can just tell the, the camaraderie that you guys have is, is awesome. And as far as like, um, Jeremy goes on your show, Jeremy, I feel like, brings something kind of new and fresh to the table for you guys, and uh, I really enjoy listening to him and the input that he has to bring also, so uh, I think you guys did a great job at choosing your 
your latest fourth host to join your show? Yeah, it was going to be uh, big shoes to fill because because Medina is definitely the sh- the nuts and the way he clashes with with Jay is one of the funniest duos I've ever heard in in the podcasting world, and I'll always miss that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like the, uh, for for those of you who are listening who don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Jonathan Medina, who uh, kind of was one of the pioneers of the whole. MTG finance movement. Um, he was the, the reason why I got into actually looking into MTG finance and speculating and, you know, all that stuff. And I, and I, and I used him as a resource a lot early on. Um, he and I became friends and started talking a lot as well. And, um, Medina had some personal issues going on and decided to end up, uh, quitting the game entirely, including, you know, sustaining his, 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 uh, hobby through MTG Finance, so he just got out completely, uh, and because of that, he had to leave, uh, he chose to leave uh, the 18 podcast, and so when that happened, they had to pick up a new a new fourth member who later became um, Jeremy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, like I said, you know, you anybody who's listening, I recommend that you guys go back and start listening to the 18 podcast if you're not already. Um, they are one of the main reasons why we started to to do our podcast, uh, they're one of the reasons why one of the influences in my life that, that made me decide on, uh, podcasting, uh, now. And so, the, you know, one of the main reasons why you're listening to us even speak right now, uh, is because of this guy, KYT. So, you know, <laughs> thank you for that, man. Um, we, we've had, uh, I'm happy. I like, we've had a lot of people say that, um, um, when that comes off the top of my head was like court of notions, Chris Lansdale started his, that, uh, show cause, cause of the A team. And I guess we were the first, first one that brought the, because Top 8 Magic was just BDM and, and Mike and, and UMT Jazz was Joey and Big Hat Joe. I guess we started the movement of having three, four people on the show just shooting the shit talking about magic. And, uh, I'm happy that, that we, we've helped, uh, inspire a lot of, uh, fellow podcasters uh, to a point where now it's, MTG cast is crowded with options. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, like I said, we really appreciate you being on. So let's get right into the meat of the show. So we're going to start out this week on how we are staying on point. As we prepare our bodies and minds, we turn to our resources. Here's how we're staying on point. All right, guys. So this week we have a lot to cover um, let's get right into it. Um, what did you, what, what did we do this week, guys? Like, I want to hear what you guys did. So, uh, Ed, Adrian, what's going on, man? What'd you guys do? Um, I, I went to a magic shop and I played in a tournament, kinda. We, uh, we had the, the PBTQ here in Las Cruces. Um, it was sealed. And, uh, I'm a little disappointed in my, uh, my play. Uh, I had a, a pool that could have, could have gotten me to the top eight. Um, some early misplays, um, match one. And then in my winning in, I, uh, also made a misplay that just, it pretty, cru- it crushed me. <laughs> I, I did not, I did not leave the, the shop in good, in a good mood. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a rough tournament. I was actually in attendance as well. Uh, what about you, Adrian? I 
I had a blast. Um, I had, I remember when we opened our sealed pools, I was kind of laughing to myself thinking like, oh my God, this poor guy, whoever gets my sealed pool is not going to be in a good spot. And then when I got my sealed pool passed to me, I was happy because my sealed pool was kind of stupid. Uh, in my, in my six packs, I had a Dragon Lord Ojitai. I had a Enduring Scale Lord, a Yasova Dragon Claw, an Erishin Foremost, uh, or not Erishin Foremost, Anafenza, and the 6-6 Dragon Erishin Sovereign. So, I now, I, ugh, I actually also had an Ojitai Soul of Winter that I did not play because it's 7 mana and I don't think it's great. So, I had a blast. I, uh, I went X1 in Swiss and was able to draw into top 8. I'd lost to another deck that who the, the guy's pools were just as nutty as mine. But what about you, Eric? How did you do? Well, um, I mean, obviously, I was there with you guys. Uh, I traveled up from El Paso to uh, Zia Comics, which is the shop that I got my first PPTQ in. Um, and that was the first PPTQ I had played in, and I spiked that one. Uh, and so I tried to run it back this season. So... This uh, I was originally going to go to Albuquerque up with the MTG Focus guys for their PPTQ that they had on Saturday, uh, but I had some personal issues come up. Uh, I didn't. I decided not to go, but uh, I did decide to go play on Sunday with you guys, and I opened up a really nutty sealed pool that um, was just like very, uh, very red black centric. So I, I built the red black deck with just like. All the removal, um, no real bombs, just a lot of like solid creatures, and um, I ended up going 3-0 and then double drawing into top eight. So um, Roberto Gonzalez and I were both 3-0 with our pools and then double drew into top eight, and um, he and I were first and second seed respectively. And then in top eight, I proceeded to draft a really awesome uh, green-white deck that had Citadel Siege. I should have hate-picked it. I should have hate-picked it. It had Citadel Siege. It had Collected Company. Um, and it had all the awesome creatures. I had a great uh, interaction also with the... Man, and I'm so bad with card names right now. Uh, Gleam of Authority is an enchant creature that lets you bolt. It gives the creature that it's enchanting vigilance. Uh, it also gets plus one, plus one for each plus one, plus one counter on other creatures you control, and then you can pay a white and tap it to bolster one. And then I had that with the uh, the green guy who, he costs two and a green, he's a one, one, and then um, he comes in with two uh, plus one, plus one counters on him, and then you can pay three to move the counters over. And so basically, um, if you put Gleam on any other creature, my uh, my... My green guy, the, the one that, that moves the counters, I basically get infinite counters all the time, and I get to move them wherever wherever I want, and um, it, it just made all my dudes huge. So, needless to say, I won my top, my uh, yeah, my 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 quarterfinals match pretty easily, oh. and do then I, do in, I have to in the semifinals? I do had I? to face Adrian. So I'm an idiot. Oh my god. I shot my own foot in top eight. I, uh, I, I also was in the top eight draft with Eric, of course, um, and I went green black. And honestly, while I was drafting it, I 
Green Black seemed really open. Um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just me or if you guys think so too. But does it feel like Black just seems to go really deep in these packs? Like there's a lot of good Black cards. Well, Black is easily the best color in the set, and it's not only because of the power level of like the removal, but like you said, it's a really deep color. Yeah. So I, even even if you're fighting like maybe one or two other players at the table, like everyone knows. Black Red's probably one of the best archetypes in draft right now. Um, you can still get their scraps, and just because of the deepness of the color, you're going to get good cards. So black is a good support color a lot of the times. Well, that's actually what ended up happening, is the the two guys to my right were actually in black as well. Uh, so I was passing to them, and they were getting my scraps. Um, and the guy to my left was actually in my other color, which was green. So I kind of got... I kind of got cut a little bit, and I just it just lack of of drafting knowledge and lack of uh of of I guess the skill uh, that's needed to draft, and I I just didn't catch on to the cues um, that I was getting hated because also I feel like um the top eight pod that we were in I maybe maybe these guys didn't draft a lot or something, but there were some cards going around that I feel like shouldn't have been still in the pack. Uh, anyways. When it comes to pack three, I open up a Citadel Siege and I'm like, it's too late to jump. I know this card is nuts. And I'm, and I have this feeling of like, if I pass it to my left or whatever, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to Eric. Eric's gonna get it. Uh, the, the guy next to me won't grab it. And sure enough, he gets it. But anyways, I win my first round in, in top eight and I, uh, I get paired in semis against Eric. And I turned in my deck after uh, after the round to uh, to our level three judge. Uh, I just know him as Bob. Do you know his full name, Eric? Yeah, it's uh, Robert McLennan, and he's actually a level two judge. Oh, okay. All I know is he was a great judge. He did a good job. Uh, I really appreciated him coming down. He had to drive four hours for us because we don't have any level twos around us to run PPTQ. So anytime we get a, a judge to like commute down for us, it's it's always kind of a nice thing. Anyways, I, uh, I I submit my deck to him for a deck check, and I walked outside to go have a cigarette. And when I come back in, he tells me, he goes, "Do me a favor, count your count my or count your deck." And I start counting it, and I'm like 38. And I look at my hand, and I only have one card left, and I'm like 39. And I look at him, I'm like, I forgot to revert it back to its normal state, didn't I? And he goes, "No, actually, you registered a 39 card deck." And I'm like, "Oh my god, I am so dumb." And I look at the numbers on my sheet, and it's like nine five one one. At that point, I'm just like, "What? I forgot to put a land in." So I start the game off against Eric with a uh, with a game one loss, which was kind of heartbreaking. Um, I want to say it tilted me. I, I tried not to let it get to me, but it actually did because I, I have no idea. It just got to me. It, it kind of sucked. Uh, anytime you have something like that taken from you, but not really taken from you when you're the one that caused it. Anyways, sit there, play Eric, have a good game, starts off really well for me. He starts creeping up, catches up again. He, uh, I want to say late in the game, he resolves a sandstep outcast while I'm sitting with a, with one card in hand. Uh, the foe razor regent? No, um, what's the black one? Deathbringer. Deathbringer regent. And I have to rip the land to be able to play it, and if I play it, it's gonna wipe the board, and I'll, I'll get to win the game. Or I thought I'd win the game, which I did rip the swamp, land a card, play it, wipe the board, 
And then Eric just has the nuttiest rip and the freaking card that I opened to pass him in, like, pack three, the goddamn Citadel Siege. Ugh. Damn it, Eric. So, after I ripped the Citadel Siege, I cast it, and I put it on dragons, so I always keep your, your dragon tapped. Um, and then I end up uh, just rebuilding my board state and uh, beating you, unfortunately. Actually, it was Conifer Strider, right? Uh, yeah, Conifer Strider is the one that got you in the end. Um, it's funny too because I, I've every time like I'm drafting the set or doing limited or anything, I never take that card because I don't like it. I mean, I didn't like it. It came it, it came really late for me in one of the packs, um, and it it filled one of the four slot creatures for me. So I just had it in there just in case, and I figured, well, at worst case. Um, I can have it out, it's by itself, he blocks, but best case, maybe I get to equip it uh, with the Gleam of Authority, and he becomes a really big problem really fast, because he's hexproof, and uh, he'll have vigilance, and he'll be super huge, uh, and that's actually what happened to me in the finals. I uh, 2-0'd my finals opponent, uh, Jim Finstrom, and I won this PPTQ. Yay! So, um, this is the first PPTQ I play for this season. I won this one. And we called it, didn't we? Like, didn't one we, and done, man. Every time. Didn't we say, like, one and done each time? Like, I don't People have to, I haven't had to play in more than one. It's kind of cool. Like, I, like, I feel, not only do I feel lucky, but I feel grateful that I don't have to do it. But the Still one. Still can't win a GPT, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. I have one more <laughs> shot. <laughs> I have one more shot this weekend at a GPT since I don't have to travel for another PPTQ. But, you know, the one thing that I, I don't like about this PPTQ system is that, um, obviously, for one, you don't get your Pro Tour invite right away like you normally would in a PTQ. But, like, if you're, if you're like me and you're one and done, and it's kind of a small thing to complain about, but, um, you don't have as much of an opportunity to build up your Planeswalker points, uh, as you normally would. So, granted, I know a lot of people out there would say, I would much rather be one and done like you. Uh, but I mean, I'm over here like kicking and screaming because I don't have my buys for Vegas and, uh, I'm just trying to, to get my buys and I, and I, and I can't play in any, in any tournaments that give me a multiplier for my planeswalker points. Get out of here, man. Or you. Here's the top line. (laughs) That sounds so ridiculous. Well, as of right now, I have one buy for Vegas, so... Like I said, I have one last last try this weekend coming up for a GPT. Uh, I'm gonna try and get my buys wow. there. I guess they don't give you points anymore for winning uh, these uh, these qualifiers. No, man. Like before in the in the old PTQ system, if you want a PTQ, you just auto get a thousand Planeswalker points. Yeah, yeah. And, and here it's uh, you know, you get what you get. You know, granted, it's still like a a three or four X multiplier and it's, and it's nice to get that nice bump, but you're only getting like maybe a hundred or so points. And now that they have the new uh, way of giving buys out, it's on a yearly basis. You need to have um, like 1300 for one buy 2200 for two buys. It's kind of crazy. Like you have to be playing a lot. Um, so it's, it's a little bit difficult. So now like it leaves me in a position to where I need to spike a, a GPT and as we all know, I've played in four of them already for Vegas, and I couldn't, I have yet been able to spike one, so. Well, we got one this weekend. Are you ready? Are I'm re- you pumped? I'm, I'm ready, man. I haven't been playing too much standard lately, though, so I need to, like, brush up again. 
Um, actually, the last big standard tournament I played was the RPTQ, and I know the the meta has changed a lot since then. But I mean, that's what we did this weekend. What did you do, KYT? I didn't do much because it was uh, my my mom is pretty sensitive to Mother's Day, so uh, I spent most of the the weekend just checking out uh, the Grand Prix Atlantic City uh, coverage. Um, and uh, because the the week before I went to GP Toronto, so sometimes I like to take a little break, especially since I'm 100% doing Vegas already and looking to do, possibly do Charlotte and really pondering on doing Grand Prix Providence, like both both of them being next month. So uh, I I spent magic wise, it was just being in shock that one of my best friends. Uh, in the game and outside of the game, was uh, really close to winning his fifth Grand Prix, which is pretty sick. Um, I think it would put him in a very, very small class of people. I'm not even sure how many people have actually won five. Um, and especially nowadays, where these tournaments are bigger than they were years ago. I mean, I think it's just insane. Sounds like there's a lot of events that go on around you. That that seems pretty nice. <laughs> about, well, about, I don't know. What what city are you in? Uh, Montreal. Oh, okay. So you guys probably have a plethora of shops, right? Right, right. So we we obviously have the luxury of of being near the being the place where face face games headquarters like uh, uh like where they are. So they're at the center of it, and then there's a bunch of competitors around that. Um, also host a bunch of tournaments. So for, for Montreal, being living in Montreal is pretty awesome for Magic. Um, there are spots in Canada that it's kind of bad. Um, but if you're in Montreal, if you're in, in the Edmonton, Calgary, if you're in Ontario, you're good. But outside of that, um, it's it's pretty... I'm, I'm like surprised to see that some competitive players come from these obscure places that don't really have a competitive scene at all. That would be us. We're working on it, though. We're trying to get a competitive scene around here, and I think we're doing a pretty good job. I I uh, I do want to chime in a little bit more about the the PBTQ. Um, when I I had noticed about probably about six months ago um, that the limited aspect of my game was just like absolutely horrible. I could not draft really well. I could not do sealed very well, um, and at least finally like. Having a little bit of like, I can finally see that I've actually improved in that aspect of the game. Yeah, I know my, my sealed pool was kind of nuts, but still, like, I felt like finally putting time into something paid off. And I, when I went into this, I did not think I was going to get even top eight. So I'm pretty happy about how, how the PPTQ went. And I have to admit, you know, grinding it out on MTGO for, for drafts and stuff really did pay off. So. I'm super excited. I think our next PPTQ in the area is in two weeks, so that should be pretty fun. Standard, I believe, right? Yeah, so the next one is in two weeks, uh, and since I won't be playing in it, I'll actually be judging, if I'm not mistaken. I think I've already set that up with the shop, so um, I'll be judging, so you best be on your A-game. I'll be gunning for you, Adrian. Wait, why are you gonna gun for me if you're not playing? Because you have you had a lesson to learn at this PPTQ, and that was your deck registration. And so when I'm when I'm doing deck checks, 
I better not find out that you misregistered your deck. So I feel like it's it's well, probably I mean, a little bit. <laughs> when we do constructed, I mean, we always like as a team, we exchange deck lists, we double check our work, and that's just something you have to do. And you know, I feel like such a jerk that. When, because before top eight, the draft started, I don't know if you'd already, I assume you'd already registered your deck. Um, but you handed me your deck and I didn't even think about, you know, Oh, well, maybe I should count his cards. Let's make sure that everything's in there and right. And it just, it blew my mind that I, I didn't even think about that to help you out. And I, I, I actually felt bad because I feel like I kind of let you down in that aspect of being a teammate and, um, but I think you'll be fine for the constructed, uh, We'll do take all the due diligence and make sure we're there. Definitely. So what we're saying is it was Ed's fault. Yeah, Ed, pretty pretty much the whole weekend it was just all me. You, bad. You, everything. you were bad. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So I hope I'm hoping one of you guys takes it down in two weeks. But let's go into what else happened this week. Um, we had two Grand Prix that happened. Um, the first one I want to talk about actually is uh, Grand Prix Atlantic City, and this is the one that KYT was talking about that he saw some coverage on. His buddy um, that he alluded to was Alexander Hain, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and you know, we've we've talked about him before on the show and how just like insane this guy is. Like he's such such a great player, and he kind of like went from you know no one really knew who he was, no one really heard from him, um, and that might be attested to the fact that he that he came from Canada. But as soon as he started doing well, like he was just on a tear. And like you were saying, KYT, like this, he was so close to winning this, this Grand Prix. Like he was in the finals against Christian Calcano and he, um, he, he didn't get it, but I mean, that's still a great accomplishment on his part. Like this guy is, is if he is not the, the team captain for, for Canada at the world magic cup, I don't know who will be. <laughs> well, you're forgetting a, an important, a big name. That has competed against him, uh, that, uh, quote unquote stole his title last year in Sean McLaren. Who... Yeah, I mean, we all know Sean McLaren's like just a beast, right? Cause he's not even <laughs> on a team. He just play tests with his brother and just co- goes to pro tours and just tears it up. But yeah, like th- there's no, that's not to take anything away from what Alex is doing. Like this guy is doing some great stuff. Um, so congratulations to him and obviously congratulations to Christian Calcano. Calcano's been around forever, and, and uh, he's just a nice guy, an all-around nice guy. Uh, I met him way back in the day, and, you know, he was always just, like, super nice and never never have a bad thing to say about him. But if you look at this top eight that that we have, we have a really stacked top eight. Like, we, we already mentioned Christian Calcano and Alexander Hain, but we also have Jacob Wilson. We have LSV, uh, Guy Dennis Vidugaris, um, Stephen Neal. Brian Gottlieb, uh, and Zachary Jesse, who's been on coverage before. Like, that's a pretty stacked top eight. Um, one of, one of the people in the top eight got a lot of heat this weekend, and that was Zachary Jesse. Um, there was an issue that happened that Drew Levin brought to the attention of everybody who followed him on Twitter. Did you guys hear about this or get to read up on any of this? Uh, briefly, I know that, um, it's been covered a little bit by our sister cast, correct? Oh, not a little bit, a lot of it. A good, like, I would say half of their their two-hour show this week is dedicated to talking about this subject 
in particular. So basically what happened was uh, Zachary Jesse was convicted of raping uh, an acquaintance of his. Um, which uh, is, that That isn't exactly correct. Well, he served time. Uh, he was accused of, of of raping her, right? I mean, those are those are two facts that were that are there. Right. He he was accused. He he took like a a, a plea bargain basically um, for a lesser charge. That doesn't take away from the fact that uh, what was done was done, and I, this is like a huge. No, I, I I agree. I just I just yeah. And, and, for and accuracy. This is this is a huge topic that that happened over the weekend on Twitter. And uh, again, like I said, it's something that our sister cast has taken a lot of time to dedicate to. They actually had Drew Levin on to to talk about this this topic and and uh, dive a little bit further into detail on it. So I don't want to go into it. However, I do want to get everybody's opinion on it. Like, what do you guys think about it? Like, um, the main thing was like, should this gentleman be allowed to play Magic, uh, even though you know he's done this in the past? Um, it's we we sort of well we're not sort of we touched upon it uh, a bit on the A team last night when we recorded it. Um, Jeremy and Scott and our guest Daniel Fournier they they each had a strong a somewhat strong opinion on it. I'm still not really sure how I feel about everything um, because to me um, it's hard for me to put myself in in the shoes of people that are very sensitive to this type of thing. So I can't, I don't want to speak for them. Um, but if you know, there are a group of people that feel very uncomfortable uh, with this person playing at an event, then I don't think uh, you, you want him there. Um, but then there are people that argue that, you know, he should be allowed to play. Just don't feature him in any video that, people that might start these reactions. So I, I just have really no clue how Wizards is going to respond with this uh, at all and how you even start policing, um, you know, anybody in these big GPs, especially Vegas, there's going to be a lot of these people that have sketchy backgrounds or have done something uh, just as bad. So how can you uh, detect these people? Like, what do you do from this point forward? Are they actually on certain criminal lists that the TO can actually check and do something about? So there's a lot of things that that I'm not too sure about. It's 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 odd to me because I'm not necessarily sure what people want. I I I don't understand like what they're what having this registry list or like you know that stuff is already made public. And, like, it's not like they have to go up and shake their opponent's hand and tell them, you know, what exactly it is that they've done and stuff. Um, I feel like these people, people that are, are for or whatever, um, are trying to punish these people even more for what they've done. Um, so I don't exactly know what trying to get, like, a, a, a registry for, like, a, like, sex offension or offending would necessarily do to, it's just, it's odd to me. I don't know what these people want or or what exactly they want to see. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you, Adrian. I just, I don't know what exactly people are wanting from this. 
Um, because if, but if, because if you're a sex offender, you're automatically on a database here in the United States. Uh, I mean, I can go online right now and find any sex offender that lives around me near my house. Um, so it's kind of like, are we telling these people that from now on, anytime you go to a magic tournament, before you introduce yourself to your opponent, you need to make it clear that you were once a sex offender, or that you are a sex offender, and that you have been convicted or have pled guilty to, you know, to something. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what, what, the, what these people want. Um, so we want to just keep these guys out of tournaments. Do we want to just make it a catch-all and just remove all felons from, from magic tournaments? Like if you have a felony, you can't play magic anymore. I don't. Yeah, and I, don't. I think that's something that would have to be done. Like, you can't just you can't just pick and choose what is okay. Like, mm-hmm. are are yeah. you know are ex drug users okay? Like, convicted um, people that are involved in violent crimes in general. Um, where do you draw the line? And that that kind of is a whole mudslide of bad things that I think could happen from this. And I don't know. Well, where this is going to lead us. Well, okay, so one thing that's made clear is if you're going to a Magic tournament, you are there are going to be children around because it Magic the Gathering is a children's card game still. There are still going to be kids at this GP. If you are a registered sex offender, you know that you cannot be in this area. You know that you, I mean, you know you can't go here because there are going to be children there, and that's going to violate... Whatever sanctions or rules or whatever happened with your sentence, I'm not I, I'm not fam- very familiar, so I'm kind of just speaking off off uh, off of really nothing. Um, something that would be interesting to look into, I guess. But there are guidelines that are already set by these people, and I guess if so, I guess if we do find out, I guess your opponent's a sex offender. I never really talked to my opponents apart from like, hey, how's it going? I'm Adrian. I'm not going to just like sit across and be like, hi, I'm Adrian. Uh, or, or as I like to introduce myself, Planeswalker Adrian. Um, are you a sex offender? Well, I don't, I don't know if you can. Yeah, that, that's a little far. And I don't know. I, I guess I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate. This, this, all these tournaments, other than like the Pro Tour, these are open events. Anyone can go and come as they please into the convention centers or your local card stop, card shop and, and things like that. And what if they're not, what if they are sex offenders and they're, they're not in the tournament? They're just there. Like, I, I don't, I just, I see this going in a really bad place really quickly and I'm just, I don't know. Well, it seems like, you know, you guys, uh, along with the majority of the magic community out there are, are kind of split on this topic. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's a good thing because it, it can bring about some healthy, healthy debate and kind of bring some awareness over to wizards about some of the things that people, you know, actually care about. Um, and so what I would recommend to all of you and then all of you listening as well is go check out, uh, MTG Focus this week. Um, they had a great segment on it and they talked about it at length. Um, and you know, that's, that's all I really want to touch on, uh, as far as that topic goes because there's no, there's no need for us to, to cover it all over again. Um, so let's move on to the other GP that happened over the weekend. This was Grand Prix Paris. Um, and this was a standard event. This, uh, this Grand Prix, uh, featured some interesting decks in the top eight. You know, the, the big, uh, Esper Dragons boogeyman didn't make a showing in the top eight. Uh, Ed, why don't you cover the top eight deck lists? 
Okay, so um, well, the big winner, uh, Abzan Midrange. Um, the we best also ass. had, it, <laughs> yeah, we uh, actually the entire top eight was just filled with Abzan Midrange. There was one, two, three, four decks, um, and it seems like everyone's going towards the what we've talked about over and over on the cast so far is the. Um, Death Miss Raptor, and um, I just lost my train of, shot, train of thought. Well, have you noticed, well, well, like, while you're trying to catch yourself, have you noticed that, like, the top decks, um, if you look at the mocks, whatever, um, the, the standard mocks series that happened, I want to say, this weekend? It was during the same time as the GP. Uh, Jerry Thompson actually took that down, and he... The lists seem to... Like the, the lists that are doing better, anyways, have seemed to kind of go back to that old wingmate rock and offends of the foremost kind of kind of look, and those seem to be having a lot of success right now. A little bit more success than the 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 decks that are running Den Protector and Death Miss Raptor. Uh, maybe they're just going over the top and cracking in for a little bit more damage. Wingmate rock, I mean, it's always been a really really good card. Uh, so I'm I'm curious because it seems to be like there's there's two different trains, train of thoughts when you're playing this deck. It's, are you going to be playing uh, Den Protector and Death Miss Raptor, or are you going to go with a more traditional kind of curve out and beat down your opponent that way? So these these Abzan decks are all kind of, they're all really different. Some run, run Hidden Dragon Slayer, some run Elspeth, some, some choose not to run Den Protector, some choose not to run Death Miss. To me, I feel like, there is no reason that you should not be playing Den Protector and Deathness Raptor right now. And I I feel like this is the reason that we're seeing Esper struggle so much recently. is because Deathness Raptor and Den Protector are just so much graveyard recursion that you only have so much removal in your in your deck. So I think what's going to happen now is we're going to see these Esper decks probably reverting back to blue-black where they're running Perilous Vault to handle these board states because and you... Well, I mean... We're already seeing that change in the Esper Dragons list. A lot of uh, the decks are running Perilous Vault in the sideboard now as an answer to things in um, the Death Miss Raptor and the Den Protector package. And then Ashiok is just a huge catch-all. It's good against the Esper Dragon deck, and it's also against good against all these green mid-range decks because you're just flipping over their creatures. And then, oh, well, now I have a Siege Rhino. That's nice. I'm going to kill you with your own Siege Rhino. And that's that's such a fulfilling thing to do. It, it feels so good to kill your opponent with their own Siege Rhino. I hate Siege Rhino. So, I mean, it looks like, you know, like we've been saying, is that is that the metagame is starting to see a shift. Um, the decks are starting to try to attack the uh, Esper Dragons list. And um, it seems like, you know... The Den Protector Death Miss Raptor package is kind of here to stay, and we see it in a lot of different decks. We see it in the in the Abzan decks, obviously. We also see them in the the Bant decks, you know, like the one that Craig Wesco uh, put out. We also see them in the Collected Company decks, which we'll be talking about here shortly. Oh boy, I'm excited for that. And um, you know, it's something that like not only the Esper decks, but all the other decks in the in the format need to adapt to, and it's also going to lead to some interesting like mirror matches as well. So I, I mean, I look forward to it and seeing what happens with it. Uh, KYT, what do you think about this top eight? Um, when I look at, at this top eight, I'm just 
pretty surprised that uh, we're starting to see the deck that I piloted Toronto sort of not do as well in it as it has been, like in the hands of Alex uh, when he won Krakow. And now we're, we saw just, we didn't see any Esper Dragons in the top eight Toronto. And here, when I look at this top eight, they're not there. We see a, 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 in two of them in the top 16. So that's, uh, might have to go back to the drawing board on, on how to actually, um, tune that deck and maybe, uh, at least now, don't have to worry too, too much, I, I guess much less about the mirror than before, than in Toronto when everyone was expecting it, it was public number, enemy number one, and was gunning for it. Um, the Collected Company deck is actually the one of the decks that I want to play test the most next, so I'm excited to hear uh, your guys' thoughts on that. Uh, from the Esper Dragon standpoint, it was really hard to play against, especially the versions that actually play um, flash creatures as well. Um, there's different versions out there. Some play Boon Seder, some don't, and um, some play, like they all play Collective Company, obviously, so it's just very hard to play uh, when you're trying to be a control deck when you can't counter the spells on, on their turn. They just like flash in a guy and then cast something on their turn as well. And I am surprised to see Abzan do so well because I was on Abzan aggro for a long time and, and things have evolved to the point of Warden of the First Tree being universally adopted in some numbers, whereas before like people would just play zero and, and stick to that number and now we're just always seeing at least two copies. I wonder yeah, if that card's going to start creeping up a little bit more. I, think, I wonder if we're going to start seeing three or four of Warden of the First Tree in these decks. I, I just the thing that's that's so nasty about Abzan, and we've talked about it before. But any sort any sort of permanent that that Abzan resolves onto the board has to be dealt with, or it becomes a major issue. Rakshasa, I mean, the regeneration ability on that card is just insane. And Offensa still a four four body who, as of recently, I found out actually has a second ability on her that I'd never really paid attention to. Uh, she actually exiles creature cards from uh, your opponent's graveyard whenever she attacks. Had I really had no idea. Just never really came up. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one of the main reasons why the Abzan deck plays her, uh, because you don't want to have the problem with uh, Deathmiss Raptor coming back. So just to like, I, okay, well we'll we'll get KYT involved in the. KYT, what do you feel like is the best deck in the format? Do you think it's still Esper Dragons, but just people are hating on it like correctly right now, and the deck just doesn't have the right build? What What do you feel? Um, from my Toronto experience, I struggle a lot uh, against the mono red decks. Um, it's it's a very close matchup. It's very uh, draw dependent because they can just put a lot of threats on the board before you can drown in sorrow. And even if you could drown in sorrow. Um, the fact that they have uh, a set number of dash creatures um, allows them to sort of dodge. Uh, so, like, depending on what type of like your your hand, the Esper Dragons that would have to have like the specific answer to the specific type of draw that the red player has, and, and just because the red players can can display a different type of threats is is the difficulty. And we're seeing we're still seeing two. In this top eight right here, so I expect that to still be a deck. So, I mean, the Esper Dragons deck were cutting, like the main difference was 
adoption was cutting all the ultimate prices because they're terrible in many matchups, but they were the most helpful in the mono red matchup. Um, allows you to kill all these dash guys. So I don't think the best deck is Esper Dragons. I'm excited to try the uh, green white collective company. If I had to pick something as the best deck right now, I, I would probably lean towards uh, the Abzan control list, something like the one that Lucas Yao took to win Toronto, as that deck also has a great, obviously because it goes bigger, a great Abzan aggro matchup. So if Abzan aggro gets more popular because of, of this GP, I mean, that's another great matchup for the Abzan control deck. And um, so I think, uh, I don't think any deck is outright the best right now, but I'd put that in at least the top three for sure. And I think that's something we were touching on a little bit earlier about um, this standard format is still fairly wide open, and that's going to put a big crunch on Esper to try and figure out what the metagame is for your particular tournament. What answers do you need to bring in your deck? Are you going to be bringing the Bioblights for um, your mono-red matchup? Do you need all four Drown and Sorrows in the sideboard? Are you going to be seeing a whole bunch of Esper Dragons lists, and you need to have Ashiok in the main board, and Dragon Dragonlord's prerogative? And I think that's kind of the, the reason we're seeing a drop-off in Esper Dragons, is because the standard format is so wide open, and you can't answer every deck right now, and that's what you want to do as a control player. Well, you, you've, we lost a lot of the crutch cards that we used to have in the in the last uh, format, where we had a turn four board, board wipe that couldn't be countered. Uh, we had Sphinx's Revelation that would just pull you so far ahead of your opponent by giving you cards in life. Now, um, these control decks are a lot... T- you have to play a lot tighter. Uh, you have to... You have to have the proper removal, and sometimes you just don't have everything you need in your hand. Um, there's not a lot of, there's no Azorius charm to be tempoing, you know, your opponent's aggro decks and stuff. And I just feel like there's a lot of, a lot of, in this Esper deck, I feel like there's a lot of things that the deck doesn't have. And that's gonna make the deck a lot worse. And I, I just feel that, I, I just don't think it's going to be there for much longer. I think right now we're in a very, like you were saying, like um, a very open standard format. So I think that these next few months it's going to be it's going to be kind of a kind of a to the brewers kind of uh, kind of standard format where people are going to be tweaking and and building so many different kinds of decks. I mean, uh, we're we're not going to talk about it very much, but even in the Mox Championship, we we saw we saw a Jeskai mid range deck do well. Um, and it was very tempo-y. It was a Stratus Dancer, Ash Cloud Phoenix kind of deck, even playing Ojitai's Command. So there's there's quite a bit going on in the standard format, and I'm excited to see how we uh, keep moving forward. And I guess we'll find out next week what the next top deck is that we're that we're going to argue about. That's that's the best deck in the format. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about some of the stuff that happened in uh, Magic News this week. So we since we last. Uh, spoke to you listeners uh the full modern master spoiler has been released i'm excited oh the the limited format looks like so much fun i carouse they look so good uh i one of my favorite limited formats is original ravnica and you know you're you're drafting that set and you're sometimes you're first picking lands 
because they're that good. Or a signet. I, obviously, the signets aren't in Modern Masters too, but um, I'm super excited to play some limited in this. Yeah, this limited format is shaping up to be really cool. And actually, like, uh, if you go over to MTG Goldfish, um, we see that they've already posted some of the archetypes that you can draft. Uh, and there's also a website, uh, I wish I remember the name of it, but uh, that some people are using to do mock sealed pools. Yeah, well, I, I have all that written down, and we'll actually get to it on the spike tips a little bit later. Oh, sweet. Cool. So we'll let Adrian talk about that later on. But yeah, the, so the full Modern Master spoiler is out. Um, and after they released the full spoiler, there was some uh, hubbub about you know, them not really being too excited about the oh, set as a whole. Magic players, man. And it's not it's not necessarily Gotta complain the, about something. It's not the players, it's 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 the financiers is what it is. And they uh evaluated what the E V or expected value of a box of modern masters was. And it seems that as of right now, uh the date of this recording, which is May twelfth, um the EV is about break even if you're spending about $240 on a box. Um, so that's even with all the money cards and that's with the expectation that you're probably not going to pull a goif in any single box. You are probably only going to break even, uh, or probably come out a little under. So it's, it's just, you know, the nature of the beast, but that's not the point of Wizards releasing a set, you know, they're not going to release a set for you to make money on, right? Like, if that's what you wanted, then go play the stock market. And and granted, I'm I'm a huge proponent of MTG Finance and like using it as a tool to uh to to, to basically finance my my hobby. And I and I do it all the time, you know, trading and all that stuff, speculating. But when it comes to new sets and and new set releases, I I want to play them. I want to get the cards uh for for the format. Uh, that I'm going to be playing, and the whole point of Modern Masters was to in- increase the the card pool of modern modern cards that people need in order to enter the format. So that's what we saw last time around. That's what we're seeing this time around. And this time around, they're printing a lot of really good cards that were needed uh, in this format. Like that's that's the best part. That's what I like the most about Modern Masters is we come from an area because um, I mean. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say that we're kind of a small town magic area. Uh, we don't, we don't have a lot of shops around us. We, if we want to go to a major shop, we need to draw, drive like four hours out. So, I mean, we have stores around us, but when it comes to extent, like other formats besides standard or limited, we are somewhat constrained on card availability. We, uh, the possibility of trading four cards for our decks is just not really there. Uh, I know between like me and my five group or my five friends and that play magic together, it's always us trading cards between each other, which is just kind of funny. But if you go out to these other areas, you're never going to find these cards. And now that modern masters came as coming out, it's going to increase the likelihood that people are going to have these cards for trade. And, in turn, I hope that that it just makes modern a little bit more accessible to other players, um, because some people don't have that that ability to 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 drive around to find these cards or to trade from or just have the expendable income that's to to purchase these cards so they can actually trade for them now. Um, so the other thing too that that oh man, it's been kind of crazy on Facebook is and and like other social media sites is that. 
people have been really complaining about this set not having the the commons and uncommons that they needed. Yeah, so like one of the one of the things that people complained about a lot was that there were no uh, uh, Gataxian probes, there were no serum visions, uh, and then there were also no pester mites or deceiver exarchs for uh, Splinter Twin or Kiki Jiki to take advantage of in the limited format. Um, and and you know we got um, a little bit of relief when they announced today that Serum Visions was going to be an F and M promo. Did you guys see this art? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, they should censor it. So one of the interesting things about this art is that it looks like it might be a little not safe for work. Face blast. Uh, yeah. A little risque. <laughs> it's it's uh, it kind of looks like a money shot is is going on in the art. And uh, I, I I I it boggles my mind how wizards uh, and the people who uh, contract out the art and commission this art out to artists don't see this because I know it has to pass through you know more than a few eyes in order for people to see it. So what's I mean what's going on here? Like wh- all I know is is that when this promo comes out, um, I will definitely be looking to pick up as many as I can because. Uh, they're they're probably gonna go quick. I think I think the value on these Serum Vision promos is gonna be high. I'm excited about it. I'm sweet. I I was uh, thinking that it was one of the cards that we would see in Mar Masters too. So I'm I'm just glad that they brought it back. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a much needed card for the format. Uh, the the art though is something that I just can't get over. And and I mean if you go to Twitter now. Um, you just type in Serum Visions in the search section, and people are just, like, all abuzz talking about the art. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, just go to Twitter and type in Serum Visions. You'll see it right away, and you'll know what we're talking about. Um, but, yeah, you know, l- let's hear your input, guys, the, the, those of you who are listening. Uh, give us your input. Let us know what you think about it. Um, I know that regardless of what the art looks like, I know a lot of people are just relieved to see it coming out as a promo uh, that they can earn at their F&M. Uh, one of the other things that Wizards announced this week was their new uh, prize payout structure. Um, they're not changing the structure of how they how of of the amounts of what they pay out, but they are changing how they pay out. So the way that it worked before, if you day two to GP or um, you cashed at a, a pro tour, uh, you would have to fill out a form, and Wizards would cut you a check, and you would receive it something like six months later. Where, and what they announced this week is that they're using a third party um, to facilitate that. And what that means is that through this third party, you have several options now. You can get paid via PayPal or wire transfer. You can still get a check. Um, but this third party is supposed to make it a lot quicker, and I know a lot of people are happier about that. Have you um, – I know that I've day two a GP before, but I have not cashed at a GP. Have you cashed at a GP, KYT? Uh, yeah, I, I have, and uh, it is a, a frustrating process. Uh, though I don't rely, uh, as opposed to other players who really rely on it to keep the grind going, they're like basically professional Magic players. It's pretty frustrating for them to get a check mailed months later. Um, and then if you're Canadian like like me, you go to the bank and they sort of ha- they they tend to the bank regardless of 
how many times you've done it, they tend to hold that shack for a week maybe, or sometimes in my case, they've held that money for a month. So, so it has been frustrating and, uh, I've, I'm friends with Tony P, um, who does work very closely with many of the software things, um, that Wizard does. Um, like he's mo- mostly known, uh, as of right now for the Planeswalker points page, but I know he's, he's dabbling into other stuff. And, uh, I'm really excited about this. This is really gonna help, uh, like it was one of the most frustrating things as a player. Um, winning, but not really winning that moment. So yay, I won $400 that will come in three months. So <laughs> this is, this is definitely gonna help out. Especially like, sometimes I just wanna win and, and like pay for my, help pay for my next trip or help pay for my next GP that I wanna go to maybe the very, next week or something so this is a huge huge plus this is a huge deal um and I ha- uh kyt you gave me an idea <laughs> so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna start going to each gp and i'm gonna offer cash advances <laughs> and i'll charge interest on <laughs> their prizes is this legal can i do this is it legal in canada uh, this is why we need Will. He he would know like all of this legal yeah. questions, yeah, this. and he'd be like, "No, no, 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 no." Yeah, I need him here to tell me not to do this, Mister <laughs> Mister Level One Judge over there. Yeah, he would tell you not to do it, and then insult you for even thinking of it. Yeah, it's it's morally wrong, and I should probably go and I don't know beat myself for thinking of it. Pretend that you've just been insulted by Will, and we'll go on with the cast. Okay. <laughs> let me let me see if I can do it. No, you're stupid, Adrian. He doesn't ever call me stupid. He just treats me stupid. As you can tell, I love Will. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, we definitely miss Will. Hope he comes back. So um, let's move on. Let's talk about some of the other things that, that went on this week since we last spoke to you guys. Um, a documentary produced by Vice came out uh, showcasing the game we all love. Did you guys get to see this? Yeah. I did. What would you all think? I liked yeah. it. I mean, I know I know some people were, were were talking some stuff about the the mention of the Adderall and things like that. But I mean, overall, I thought the 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 quality and how they 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 gave you two aspects of the game from two different types of players was I think it was really well done. And anything like this promoting the game that I play, I think is a good a huge plus. And so, if you guys remember. When we had Nathan Holt on the show, we had asked him about uh, if he'd be interested in producing a documentary for uh, Magic. Now, I don't know if this was the documentary that um, we assumed he was a part of, because he did he did uh, do an interview portion in the documentary. But my hope is that... <gasps> That's right! My hope is that he is uh, producing his own. And uh, I just, I hope that that comes comes to be and comes to fruition at some point but if you haven't seen it go check it out um we i know that if you go to our facebook page we posted a link to it uh so if you haven't seen it yet go to our facebook page uh find the link and, and watch it it's about 25 minutes long or so it's a, it's really cool and you get to see you know a lot of different aspects of the game not just professionally but like casually as well as like some of the other stuff that you wouldn't normally see like these guys that Actually, collect you know misprints and all that stuff. You know what's funny is when they first showed those guys, I was like, 
Oh, oh, okay. So they're gonna do like some pretty casual guys here. They're gonna probably just eat some food with their mom and and play some magic. And like then they pan over their like box and there's just like a mock pearl sitting in there. And then they're like, "This is my favorite card. I love my Izamaru or what was it? It was a Steplings or an Izamaru." The Battle yeah, so Battleide, and he's like, yeah, and it's like in a hard case and stuff, and then they just pick up their Black Lotus in like a loose, uh, just like a regular sleeve, and they're like, it won this card. It's like, well, well fuck me. Alright, these guys are magic players, holy shit. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be on their kitchen table, I thought they were gonna eat, and then they were gonna clean up and just like hang out in the kitchen and play some magic. That's what I, I honestly thought that was what- Yeah, I like, and then it just turned out to be fucking vintage. <laughs> And it wasn't just these two guys playing vintage, it was like 20 people playing vintage at this shop. I, it was so awesome, and I still really want to know what was in that guy's binder. I mean, oh, so do I. I don't, I don't know. So there's a part where this guy was showing off all his like misprints and stuff like that, like test prints that came out, and um, he stopped right away and he said, I can't show you what I want to show you on camera, but I'll show you off camera. And they never made mention of what it was. They never showed it, obviously. And it had a lot of people wondering, what's in the binder? It was a birthday gift for his friend. That we didn't want. see. So maybe uh, maybe he had a first edition foil Charizard or something. A, K- a KYT token that nobody knows about. <laughs> so um, that was some of the stuff that went on this week. But um, one of the, the things that happened today, actually, and I'm really happy to announce, is that uh, our good buddy, The Professor... Yeah. Over at Tolarian Community College, decided to put out a Patreon. He came out uh, in a video announcing that um, the, he he was suffering through a lot of time constraint, in that he was trying to produce videos every week for his viewers, um, and didn't really have the time because of work uh, and shooting videos and you know having a family. Obviously, he's he's got a wife and a and a, and a son. And he started requesting, you know, that if people wanted to see some more content from him, um, he was asking if they would be kind enough to donate to them. And if they donated enough to cover what he would make in teaching one class, um, he would uh, forego teaching that one class in order to make more time to produce a video. So... He put out he put out that Patreon this morning, and um, we're recording this at 8 p.m. Mountain Mountain Standard Time. And as of right now, the very same day, he has not only surpassed the goal that he wanted to originally, he has already surpassed the ultimate goal that he thought he would never reach, which so awesome. which is uh, he's at $3,700 a month right now. And that's more than what he's making as a teacher. And that's two videos per week, correct? It's going to be more than that. I think... That's so awesome. If if these donations hold up, he can actually just quit teaching and teach on the side and be a video content producer full-time. So that's, that's actually really awesome. cool. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. So, you know... From us to you, Professor, we congratulate you. We're so happy for you. And um, don't stop there, guys. If if you're listening and you like what the professor's doing over at the community college and you have uh, the opportunity to donate to his Patreon, please.
please do so because he puts out some of the best content that I've seen ever uh, when it comes to Magic the Gathering. So uh, please go check it out. Um, just go to patreon.com slash Tularian Community College. It's all there. Um, you can see everything that he's doing, everything that he's going to do for you uh, with all these milestone goals that he's reached. So congrats. Have you have you had an opportunity to check out any of his videos, KYT? No. Sad to say I haven't, but I'm going to make sure to check that out after this show, actually. Yeah, man. Uh, this guy produces all this awesome video content about magic and, like, magic accessories, like which deck boxes are the best, deck, uh, like sleeves, um, just all sorts of awesome stuff. So, yeah, definitely go check it out. Um, but, yeah, so moving on, we're going to go over to the next topic of the night. And that topic is going to be sharpening the tools. On the eve of the battle, we begin our final preparation. It's at this time we begin sharpening the tools. So this week on sharpening the tools, we want to spotlight one of the decks that Adrian's really excited to talk about, and that is the Collected Company decks. And I say decks plural because there are different variations of it. Um, but I want Adrian to go over what he knows and what he thinks about them. So I guess the first thing we have to do is we have to look into what exactly Collected Company is doing, or what exactly Collected Company does. Uh, Collected Company is a card that says, at instant speed, for four mana, three and a three colorless and one green, look at the top six cards of your uh, library and put two creatures with converted mana cost three or less onto the battlefield. So this card has been, I would say it, it's exploded, and, and kind of to give, because Eric likes to mention the finance aspect of, of Magic Cards, this card has jumped up like from being a four dollar card to I think recently or as of right now it's like eleven dollars or ten dollars. Um, the card is seeing a lot of play. There's uh, there's different types of collected company decks that you can play out there. There's the there's a kind of a bad build that still plays Ojitai. Um, there's the Abzan collected company decks um, that are a little lower to the ground. Um, Blue green devotion that that deck that top two in the Star City Open last week, I think. And you also have a, a really awesome deck that I got to watch um, at Grand Prix Paris. It, it went undefeated on day one. It's a four-color uh, collected company deck. So I I am a big fan of this card. Um, kind of the dream of this of this of these kind of decks is to be able to go turn three with an Elvish Mystic out. Cast Collected Company at the end of your opponent's turn. Turn four, you're going to go ahead and just play Sir Rock and crack in. Um, the deck, I think the card is just outstanding. Um, I I have a lot of fun playing these decks, and I have a lot of fun watching these decks. The, the, the deck that I'm most excited about that's running this card is the four-color deck. Our, uh, it's running everything except black? I believe that's correct. Is that correct? Because it's running, yeah, because it runs Mantis Rider, Savage Knuckle Blade, Fleece Mane Lion. Yeah, it doesn't run black. And did you guys get to ch- get a chance to see any any like games while this deck was featured? No, I didn't. I didn't see any. I actually didn't see any coverage this week. I was all in on the uh, the PPTQ, so didn't watch any coverage. Well, I mean, like, watching him cast a Collected Company and getting two Savage Knuckle Blades off of a Collected Company, or getting any, like, just getting Mantis Rider off of a Collected Company is, is insane. Um, well, obviously, those, those types of draws are just gonna be nuts. 
Yeah, I mean, because you're getting four power onto the battlefield, or you have the 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 chance that you get eight power off of that collected company. Uh, Plus, it's it's at the end of your your opponent's turn. Oh so, yeah. So well, that's a nightmare for control. But but of course, with these four colored decks, you're gonna have the mana issues, and he's he was running a lot of tap lands. He was running um like I think four frontier. I can never pronounce the card's name. Frontier. Bivouac? Yes. Bjavik. I'm going to call it a Bjavik. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, he was running the Frontier Bjavik. <laughs> I love that name. Stop saying that. Okay. Um, and because of the four colors, he's still running Mystic Monastery, Mana Confluences, and stuff. And the games I saw him lose were because, honestly, because of the mana issues... There's some things I'd like to change to the deck. I don't think the deck needs to be running three Stoke the Flames. That seems a little silly to me, but I guess it gives it the reach that it needs. Uh, so what do you think? Is this something you guys would play? Um, any sort of collected company deck? I know the mono green collected company is also really on the budget friendly side. Uh, no, I, it's, it isn't my style of deck and you, you know that, but I'm, um, I have a question for you about the decks with the four colored, version, do you think that would be something you would play, or would you want to play like in a bigger tournament something more consistent, like maybe the the, the green-white, or even maybe the mono-blue splashing green just for the collected company? So, I, I have actually uh, I, I put in some time with these de- with uh, the collected company decks, um, and just like the mono-blue version, uh, I, I hate the deck, I hate mono-blue, the, the blue-green uh, collected company deck. But I think the best colors, if you're going to do to be playing this kind of deck, you're going to probably want to be in green, in white, and in blue. Um, so I feel like Bant is probably the way that you want to play this deck because you want to have access to Fleece Main Lions, and that's pretty much where you want to be going with the deck because Brimaz and all that stuff is in those colors. Well, and I think something else that you, um, you haven't talked about is how powerful Dramoka's Command is. So just oh, having God, access yeah. to that card, like... It's a huge blowout against a lot of the Abzan decks, and um, I know it's kind of a blank against Esper, but Dramoka's Command is really powerful. I, I I agree 100%. I think what I would like to see this deck become is I'd like to see cut those Stoke the Flames and probably uh, probably any non-creature spells, just cut those out of red and just stick to Savage Knuckleblades, Mantis Riders, and Goblin Ravels. And from that point on, I think the deck will... I think we'll start seeing it getting some play. The dude also ran a really awkward spell, like in his six slot, which is weird that he had a six slot, but he ran an Elspeth in there. And I'm just not sure about that. <laughs> Doesn't seem quite right. Doesn't synergize well with what the deck's trying to do. It, not at all. I, I mean, you're running 24 lands, so I don't know if you ever even see six lands in a game sometimes. But what well, is. It's running some number of. Uh... Uh, Mana Dorks too, right, though? Uh, well, we're running three, three Rattleclaw Mystics when we play this deck. So, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what else we get from Collector Company. I think the card is just insane. Um, I would, would not be surprised if we start seeing it getting played a little bit more in, like, Abzan type lists. Well, it's already seeing play in Modern in Abzan. Oh, really? I yeah, not people are playing it in the Abzan list. That, that seems a little greedy. Would oh I don't know I don't know if I'd play it that's the four mana is a lot of mana in modern 
True, but I mean, they're, they are playing Siege Rhino too, so. Yeah, what happens if you, I don't know. I don't know. Two Tarmogoyfs? I mean, not a bad thing, right? I guess it's never bad to hit Tarmogoyfs. <laughs> I'm just, I'm pumped. I love this, I love this card, and, um, I look forward to it. Uh, before we move on to the next segment though, uh, we, we have opened up our Facebook, uh, page to receive messages, and we have been getting quite a few people doing it on my personal account, so please do not send them to my personal account anymore. Send them to the Mana Spike, or not Mana Spike, oh my god. Eric! Bro, we haven't been Mana Spike for a minute. I know! FTG Focus Spikes on Facebook. Send us a, send us your deck list, and I will definitely give you guys some feedback on it. So, dude. Adrian, are you, are you the, 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 the deck doctor now? I'm the deck professor. Just kidding. Yeah, Conley Woods is the, is the is the deck doctor. Okay, the like the the deck uh, veterinarian. Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, yeah, Adrian's like the deck veterinarian. That's I'm fine. a deck grad. I just graduated, so I'm a deck graduate. Yeah, we can use that. All right. So, Adrian, which of these variations of decks would you would you play if you had to play one of them in in a tournament tomorrow? What would you play and why? Uh, bam, without a doubt. Um, I still really, really, really like Dragonlord Ojitai. Um, and having access to the counter spells is, is amazing. Having negates and disdainful strokes to stop those, those higher end decks. Um, I think if you're gonna be playing Collected Company, you need to be playing the Bat Shell. Okay, very cool. Well, I hope this helps you guys that are listening, uh, with a little bit more of an idea of what Collected Company is trying to do. Uh, and we'll be on the lookout to see how these decks evolve uh, moving forward. But let's go on to the final segment of the night. That segment is Spike Tips. Not everyone is an expert, and sometimes you need to seek advice. This is where we come in. This is this week's Spike Tips. So this week on Spike Tips, we have another listener-submitted question. And this one comes from Christopher Kelly, and he writes, Hey Spikes, I love listening to the show every week. On my way to work and wanted to ask you, uh, ask you guys a question about limited. How the heck do I draft? How do I do sealed? My local store does a draft every week and every time I play, I lose. What can I do to get better at drafting? What should I be looking for whenever I draft? Also, I will be going to Las Vegas for the GP coming up this next week. And I was wondering if there is somewhere I can practice or what I should do to prepare for this event. So, this is not one question. This is like five questions. <laughs> yeah, there's like a hundred questions in this. Either way, that's fine. You know, I would I would love to do a whole episode dedicated to the limited format. Unfortunately, like constructed is just so prevalent in competitive magic right now that you know we really can't. But I would love to touch on the limited format, especially given that we all just finished playing in a limited PPTQ uh, and two of us top aided. So I feel like some of us have uh, a good understanding of what limited is. I think that we're all pretty, pretty decent limited players and we can all uh, have some input here. So, uh, Adrian, why don't you go first, uh, answer some of Chris's questions and we'll just go around the table. I'll just, I'll just answer the quick, um, the a question about drafting. When I was taught to draft, I was taught to use, I, and I feel like probably everybody else here in this cat in the cast was taught bread. Am I, am I right in kind of guessing that? Yes. Yeah, so it's uh, bombs, and it's not rares. I always like to say that it's rares, but it's actually removal. Evasion, oh, and the A always gets me. Ag- aggressive? 
I'm gonna say aggressive and and then dregs, right? You got the gist of it. I don't yeah. even I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking you, about? You really? never heard this? It, it's it's pick order. Yeah. Like, uh, cards in your pack. What is it? Bombs removal, uh, evasion, aggression, and dregs. Dregs? What are dregs? Garbage. The 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 shaft, the stuff that you're not gonna play anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've actually never heard that before. Really? <laughs> no man. KYT. KYT. No, no. What? This, right, this I, must be like a New Mexico thing or something. I've maybe, never ever heard that. Well, I mean, we do come from an area that was like, that was major and like limited because we didn't have constructed around here for the longest time. It was just a limited city. Yeah, F and M was only draft. That's that. That was F and M. That's the only thing yeah. we did. Okay, so, so go go over it one more time. It's bombs and then what? Bombs removal, um, evasion, aggressive, and dregs. Okay. So you wanna you wanna prioritize to having bombs as your first pick, or in the pack. Um, you wanna be able to get something that's gonna close the game. Uh, a good example of this is uh, Tromacratus from Theros, the card that had hexproof or whatever and couldn't be blocked. Um, then you wanna have like removal, which is like flatten in the current set, flatten or uh, ultimate price. price. Yeah, ultimate price or foul renewal stuff like that. Uh, your evasion is going to be stuff like flying creatures, um, creatures that can't be blocked, creatures that have activated abilities that are really good. Um, your aggro is going to be just creatures that kind of fill in, in fill in spots, and then your dregs are going to be the stuff that you can't play, like Spider Silk Net, which is weird because I still see people play that card. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about that, Eric? You know, I mean, like the valuation of it seems okay. It's a good way. It's a. I think until you get better at drafting, if you're a new player, I think it's a fantastic way to learn how to prioritize packs. Because when you get a pack of 15 cards, it can be a little overwhelming if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, so I'll I'll give my input on what I think the best way to draft is, and um, this is what I do for every single set that comes out. Mythics first. No, no, no. Me being already familiar with, like, how to draft, uh, I don't need to necessarily, like, go through a crash course on how to draft. But what I do um, is whenever the set comes out on Magic Online is I will draft it on my own first and see how I do, see see how I like it. And uh, usually I, I don't do so well the first go around. And then I'll reevaluate uh, and then I will draft one more time on my own. After that, I'll see if I do any better. And if not, I will reevaluate again. After that, um, the following week is when I start going over limited articles or videos that are out, like on Channel Fireball or Star City or like any of those websites where they have all sorts of great content. Like Channel Fireball is pretty notorious for having a bunch of limited uh, articles and videos because that's what a lot of the pros like to do. And obviously, if you're a pro, you're playing on the pro tour. Uh, being a well-rounded limited player is a big part of your game. So I would trust that website more than any of them to uh, learn from the best limited players in the world right now on how to how to draft and like pick orders and all that stuff. But when you're first learning how to draft, I think the evaluation that you gave Adrian was pretty good. Uh, I've never I've never heard it before, but one of the basic strategies that I was taught when I first learned how to draft was you want to have 16 creatures, and then 
you want to have about seven other cards, uh, seven to eight other cards that are like non-creature spells, and then about 17 lands is typically what you want to go, and it's a pretty safe call to do in any removal in any uh, format. But if you um, if you like every format is different, you know, like w- what we saw in Theros block is way different than what we see here in uh, Dragon's block, and it's. Because in Theros, it felt a lot like you want to assemble Voltron and then just go from there. Uh, whereas here in Dragon's Block, you want to... There are a lot of bombs. So, like, there's a lot of dragons, obviously. And they're not always going to be great because there's a lot of ways to deal with the dragons in the format. So you want to make sure that you're, like, really on curve. And what I mean, what I mean by that is that you are able to hit... Uh, some number of drops on each of your of your turns, like each of your land drops. So uh, you maybe not necessarily want to have too many one drops because you're only going to have one turn one. Um, and then you want to have slightly more two drops where you have like two mana creatures or two mana spells that you want to be casting. Um, three is kind of like the sweet spot. So you want to have more three drops than anything. Uh, and then four, five, and, and past that, it starts to taper back down. So when you look at it when you're drafting on Magic Online, what your deck should look like, it should look like a V, um, because it, sort, it sorts it automatically by casting cost. Uh, you should see like a slight like a slight V to it. You know, you should have more of your three drops than anything else as you're drafting. And that's a that's another great thing about Magic Online is that you get to actually see your picks as you're drafting, which is you can't see anywhere anywhere else. When you're drafting in real life, you're not allowed to look at your picks. You're not allowed to organize them the way that magic online organizes for you but it's a great tool that people use to draft and so um that would be my biggest thing is like learning how to draft really you know the best way to do it is on magic online even though it's a flawed uh it's a flawed program um drafting is still one of the best experiences you can have on that on that program right now what about you kyt what input do you have um I have to revert, go back and say, Adrian, I have heard it, about it before. I just didn't remember what the D stood for. And I think people have different variations now that I Google, Googled it up a bit. But uh, that's definitely one of the earlier um, shortcuts that I've heard before that I think is useful. And I think Eric mentioned also the the being able to just stick to a simple guideline of roughly 16, 15 to 16 creatures, 17, 16, 17, 18 lands, um, is definitely a solid way if you want to get from square one to doing fairly well at your next draft. Um, I, I, I do a lot of, or I did do a lot of moto drafting, um, to prepare for certain events. And, uh, that's how I won my first PTQ last year in M15. I just, Played a lot, lost a lot, and then played some more. Started to go on this crazy winning streak, to, and then played my live PTQ and was extremely confident after the seal portion heading into the top eight draft, knowing that I probably put more games than than most of the top eight, if not all of the top eight combined. I, I really just played uh, a lot uh, every day. So for sure, that's one of the best ways to practice. Um, Specifically, when it comes to GP Vegas, which I am going to myself, I mean, the set's really only going to come out like a week before, and it's expensive to draft. I'm not even going to put that much time into it, considering the fact that they've also changed um, 
day two for Vegas is actually sealed again. So you won't even have to worry about drafting uh, Modern Masters 2 unless you happen to hit top eight. And uh, sealed, I think, for me, what made me really good is, is, or better, I would say not really good. I'm not really good yet. Like stuff like Eric was saying, like Channel Fireball, some of the videos, and having people that I knew that were decent players and, and just to talk about them. Like a lot of the players I would play at pre-releases or at more casual drafts don't understand why a 1-1 for one flyer is, is generally bad in limited um, just because of how hard it is to make a super aggressive deck um, and the fact that these cards just have very, very low value when you top deck. And the reason you want to concentrate on the three drops is because uh, generally they still uphold their value later in the game, and it's just a very critical turn at the beginning stages of the game as well. Um, so there's a lot of these basic things that a lot of beginner drafters or sealed players have. They just can't really distinguish why a card is just really flat-out unplayable, and you're going to need to either watch videos or, or discuss it with friends. Like sometimes LSV, like LSV's guide for any limited format is what I use uh, the most before heading into a pre-release or a midnight pre-release. But sometimes you have to understand why he gives something a one out of five. Um, if like if you don't, then you know you have to go even more basic than that and, and, and find out and either draft more limited or. or talk it out with someone about how you feel about a certain card and hopefully they can offer insight as to why it's not as good as you think it is or why it is a lot better than you think it is. And for me, for preparing, like I'm not even going to prepare for GP Vegas at all. Um, that's what happened last year. I was able to make day two because I cracked open Elspeth and Vendelian Clique, both cards that I've played in Modern and in Legacy. Uh, wait, no, not Elspeth, but both cards have played in many constructed formats, and I just got there because those two cards are really, really powerful, um, especially Elspeth. Click just allowed me to play around tricks because I saw it in my opponent's hand, and it's a 3-1 flyer, which fulfills the E in the bread concept, evasion. And uh, and looking at this mo the spoiler list, I mean, there's just there's a lot of powerful cards. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to open and find out what I'm going to play. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I think you better bread or you're dead. I think yes. for for GP Vegas coming up, you need to really have an idea of what the card pool is going to be. So take a look at the the spoiler. Um, I know that you can uh, use Adrian. What's the website that you can use? Okay, so there's quite a there's quite a few websites. Um, I know that if you're looking to draft, you can just do Bestiaire to um, and it's uh, how's it spelled. I don't know. It's it's like beastie, just beastier. Um, I can, we can probably link them in the show notes. Um, another one is mtgen.net. It's mtgen.net. That'll do sealed pools for you. And there was one more that I don't know. mtgmirror.com. So there's a, there's ways to to practice or to get like just proxied up sealed pools and stuff that you can build. The only issue is you can't test your, your pools. Um, but that's what I would do. I know I'm going to look into it. But get familiar with 
the visual spoiler um, is my opinion. You you want to be able to know what cards are doing and what the what the different archetypes are in the set, uh, and practice. I mean, I know that for like the modern masters, we're not gonna be able to practice it very much and stuff unless we go and like somehow come up with a way to to make paper boxes of modern masters. I don't know. It's well, it's. So huh? I'll, I'll tell you this. I was going to keep it secret, but I think it's okay to announce now. Um, Brandon Remley is buying uh, a case of Modern Masters. Brandon Remley is our friend from MTG Focus. He's, staying, he's my arch nemesis. He's staying at the Focus house with us. He's buying a case. He's going to bring it with him to the house, and we are going to practice Sealed um, the week before while we're still- Oh, my God. No way. Yes, sir. Uh, that, what? What? It's, it's like Christmas. Yeah, no yeah. Way. and I get to keep what I open, right? <laughs> no, you don't. You don't get to keep what you open, obviously. But we are yeah. gonna we are gonna have a chance to evaluate some sealed pools. Oh, that's so awesome! And look Thank at how we you. build them. So that's that's the the part that I was gonna get into is that. Um, Kyt, you can have one of my slots if you want. <laughs> Stop giving away your spot. <laughs> get together with your friends, um, and buy you know the six packs that you need to build a sealed pool. So like. If you wanted to evaluate the uh, dragons format, you'd buy uh, four packs of dragons and two packs of fate and um, open them up, evaluate them with all your friends, and each of you take a crack at building a sealed pool with it. And as you do that, you can t- you can discuss like why you're choosing to build what you're building because I can guarantee you that all all of you will not build the same pool together. It will be different, uh, and you get to get some more a- analysis that way. And, um, you know, I don't know why you wouldn't prepare KYT. You have a whole week before. I'm sure you can get, like, a draft in or something just to get an idea of what the limited format you, is. You can do it, Dad. I believe in you, man. He's just a, a degenerate, man. Oh, you don't speak about my, <laughs> my friend that way. Okay? It's because I'm going to be flying in a week in advance um, because, actually, my parents, like, my parents and my sister, my mom and dad love it there. And when they heard that I was going to GP Vegas to play the GP, they, they're like, okay, why don't we go, go <laughs> hey. with you? But we'll spend the week, you know, we'll spend the week. They're leaving before the GP. Um, I, I'm leaving by myself, but I'm going down with them. So I'm going to be spending the time um, in Vegas. Um, maybe I will hook up with some magic players that I do know in Vegas. What? You know us. Are you going to hang out with us? Uh, well, you, you guys won't be there a week ahead, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll be there, we'll be there yeah. the Wednesday before. Okay. Okay, so then, then maybe we can, I can find a draft. Um, I know some players in, in, that are actually in Vegas, so I might be able to, to get some drafts in. We'll see. Um, but outside of that, I'm not, uh, it's draft. Like I'm not too worried about it. And uh, when it comes to sealed, a lot I just know the basic sealed concepts at least. So so I'll be fine. And uh, it's just like a giant, huge tournament. I enjoyed playing it last year. So uh, like like at the end of it all, even if you do go like O three drop, you're in. You're still in Las Vegas. There's, yeah. st- there's still so much to do in that city. Yeah. I, and if you want to do a Modern Masters draft, uh, you can go give blood and get a free voucher for a free Modern Masters draft. Yeah, that was <laughs> going to be the other point I was going to bring up. If you're prepping for GP Vegas, they're opening up side events the Thursday before the main event. 
So you yeah, have two nice. whole days to, to prepare. And they're going to offer drafts and seals and all that cool stuff. So um, if that's how you want to prepare, uh, that's a great opportunity to do so before the main event. But, you know, Chris, I hope this helps. Um, and remember, if you guys uh, out there listening would like to, to submit a spike tip over to us and have a question to ask us and any of our guests that we have on, uh, feel free to let us know. You can send them over to the, to the Facebook page or tweet us uh, or anything like that. So, um, you know, I hope it helps. And I think that's it for this week, guys. Do we got anything else? Nope. All right. Well, I mean, you know, we look forward to seeing everybody in Vegas. KYT, I know that you said you're going to be in Vegas, so you definitely got to hang out with us at some point. For sure. For sure, definitely. Um, so KYT, where can, where can they find you? I think the best place is, uh, Twitter, um, at KYT Magic would be, uh, the best place to get in touch with me. I think that's the, that's probably the main and best way that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, awesome. And then you can always find the A-Team podcast, which KYT is one of the hosts on, over at manadeprived.com. Um, and then for the rest of us here on the show, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. E234, all one word. Uh, you can find Adrian. Adrian's on Twitter, but not really, right, Adrian? I'm, I'm a, I'm a phantom. I don't even, I forgot. I found my Twitter and then I forgot it. Okay. I'll just, I'll just use the, the MTG focus. I was about to say Mana Spike again. Oh my god. Yeah. So you can, you can follow us on Twitter as well. Um, that's at MTG focus underscore spikes. Uh, and then you can find Ed over at 44 Edward, right, Ed? That is correct. Oh, hot, I finally got it right. Hot, I got it right. Ed, and, uh, that, yeah. hot, Adrian, why don't you just make a Twitter handle? Like, I mean, because Will's already the guy that makes fake Twitter handles and then makes them real. But yeah, so Will, you can fake. find over at uh, HK isn't Korea. So. Uh, I know he wasn't here this week, but he'll be back next week. And I think that's it for this week. So uh, until next week, we'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find new episodes on iTunes and mtgfocus.com each week. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for MTG Focus Spikes. We hope you sit down with us next week.